We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, joined, as always, by Bill Bender, our lead college football writer at SportingNews.com. And, Bill, I'm not going to call this an emergency podcast, but it's a bonus podcast uh, for sure, as uh, we had some pretty big news break Thursday night. We're recording this Friday afternoon, uh, our second podcast of the week here at the CFB Nation Network. And uh, the big news, Oklahoma and Texas reached an agreement with the Big 12, with the SEC, with Fox and ESPN. It's all worked out. They're coming to the SEC a year early. They will start in 2024. What were your first thoughts when you saw that news break? Well, it makes sense. I mean, the longer that they were going to be in the Big 12, the longer the, the bitter feelings would build up. So from a timeline standpoint it makes sense it it creates what should be a a game changer in 2024 because now you're gonna have the sec with 16 teams in theory you're gonna have usc and ucla with 16 teams and on top of all that you're gonna have a 12-team college football playoff so it makes sense to make that move i think 2024 is gonna be one of those kind of another year one in some ways, in a lot of ways, in terms of how college football is uh, consumed and watched and, and played on the field. Yeah, it's amazing. I was just thinking nine months ago, none of those things were in place. Nine months ago, uh, Oklahoma and and, uh, and Texas were slated for 2025. Uh, the, the playoff was nowhere to be found, maybe in 2026, but we didn't know 12, 8, 16. No one knew anything about it. And then, of course, USC and UCLA were quietly behind the scenes negotiating with the Big Ten, but we didn't know that either. So fast forward nine months, and now 2024 becomes, like you said, the latest iteration of how college football will look across the country. Yeah, and the SEC is a winner, as usual. And Greg Sankey, um, able to pull this off, rather however they did it behind the scenes. I know TV is a factor. Um Conference scheduling is a factor. That's the big thing we looked at at Sporting News is what this means for the schedule because that's what football fans actually – I don't think football fans care about TV 
you know, they'll find the channel or the stream. I don't think they care about how much money goes in the SEC's pockets. They care about the product on the field and how their team's doing and who their team's playing. And, you know, Oklahoma, Texas coming in certainly adds to what is already a very loaded conference in the SEC. I mean, these this is all-time wins, and I know you're working on a project for us at Sporting News, um, fifth and sixth all-time. So you're getting two very good brands with Oklahoma and Texas, regardless of what happened last year. No question. So let's get into that. Let's get into the whole schedule situation uh, in the SEC. They have to decide whether they're going to go with the eight-game format, which they've been using for a long time, or the nine-game format, uh, which would uh, create a, a whole different look. The, the league's going to have a different look to begin with. That 2023 will be the final year without divisions. The divisions are going away. Um Either way, with the either the you know that's the reports I'm reading is that even with the eight game schedule or the nine game schedule, the divisions are going away. You're just going to have first and second place go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Um, so that's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And um, you know, I guess I'll ask you at first. The, you know, the Big Ten's nine games, the Pac 12s nine games, Big 12s nine games. Um, only the ACC and the SEC are still playing eight. Uh, which do you prefer and which do you think they'll go with? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated has been on top of it. The eight-team model is cleaner in terms of one protected game and you play seven, and and with the exception of maybe Tennessee, and you know they protect that game against Vanderbilt, their feelings might be hurt a little bit. But all of that said, the nine-game setup will hurt more feelings but makes more sense because they're going to have to protect if you go to a three, six model, I've thought this made sense the whole time. You don't want to go to an 18, eight game conference schedule when the big 10, which will also have 16 teams is going to play nine, maybe even 10. Um, So I I think it makes sense for them to go three, six. And as you start to look at 
which schools' rivalries will be protected. I mean, that's going to be the interesting part. That's going to be our list that we did at Sporting News was a little bit different than what they did at The Athletic. But if the one that Seth put out for them, if that happened, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So that's the fun part is kind of speculating who will get protected. Yeah, I don't understand how the – I understand very clearly how the, the nine schedule – the nine-team, nine-game schedule would work, right? You got the three permanents, and then you've got six rotating through. So that accounts for everybody that you you will play. I think they go home and home years one and two, then home and home with the six that you didn't play in years three and four. So you're getting everybody in a four-year uh, window – uh, along with your three permanents. Uh, if you went one and seven, you would play seven, then you'd play another seven. There's a team you're not playing. You know what I mean? It, it would just be kind of a weird rotation. The, uh, the nine is cleaner. And of course, as college football fans, we want more SEC on SEC football. Well, and, and the biggest draw to it either way is you get to be in every venue every two years basically so you know you hear one of the complaints with the sec right now is like florida hasn't played auburn at auburn in this many years you know or some of these old school classic sec rivals you know alabama and georgia don't play that often in the regular season so i think it creates that opportunity for a a, you know oklahoma and texas coming in in particular no matter if they protect florida or not you're at the swamp and you're able to go there and play those games in the ones that you and i want to see on tv and it just adds what the Pac-12 had last year when they got away with, did away with divisions, and some of that was already scheduled, is there will be a marquee awesome SEC game on every single week in this setup. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, so if you do the nine game and you have three protected, the six that are unprotected or, you know, non-permanent opponents, you're going to see them. Once you know, two every four years. So we're going to get Georgia, Alabama, two every four years, which is way more than we get it now during the regular season. So um, yeah, Greg Sankey, this morning SEC commissioner, came out and said that they have been preparing for this. That the SEC meetings in Destin, uh, that it's around Memorial Day, so it's just a couple months away, would be the late end of actually settling this thing for good. Um, they could announce something even sooner. It sounds like they're, they've, like I said, been preparing for this possibility. And it, it wouldn't shock me if within the next month we know if it's eight versus nine. We probably won't have to wait until the SEC meetings in May. So let me look at your um, – you, you did a list of every SEC team, including Texas and Oklahoma. And you, you, you proposed uh, a permanent opponent if it was just one permanent or if it was the nine game with three permanents, uh, the one uh, permanents you, you went, I mean, they were pretty obvious from A to Z, you know, Texas, you went with Oklahoma instead of Texas A&M. That might've been the only one you really even had to debate. Right. Yeah, and it was, you know, because I think A&M and LSU, they, they've kind of, it's become the last weekend rivalry for those two. Um, Oklahoma and Texas still want the red river rivalry to be protected. I don't, you would have to because I, I think let's say they go and it was one and they're not protecting Oklahoma, Texas. That's still, even though it wasn't a top 10 game last year, it's one of college football's best games. So, and Texas, Texas A&M, that's the hitch. And I'm skipping a little bit here. The three, six plan. One of the biggest hitches is what they're going to do with Texas and Texas A&M. 
Mm -hmm. you would assume they're going to play. But I assume nothing when dealing with those two fan bases because they haven't played since 2011. They don't like each other. And I always contend, you know, I'm in Ohio State, Michigan country. No two fan bases hate each other more than Texas, Texas A&M in this country. I don't think it's close. So what if one of them says, hey, we're not going to play Texas every year. We're going to do it every other year. I don't think that will happen. But that is one of the things in the 3-6 plan that they're going to have to work out. Yeah, Texas, Texas A&M. I mean, that will be a game that everyone will look forward to. I'm sure the SEC will put it on Thanksgiving weekend. And I cannot imagine, especially in the three-team situation, that that they would not be permanent opponents to reignite that transition over that Thanksgiving weekend. Or, or, you know, I I want everything pushed back as we went over with the schedule. But anyway, anyway, a late November matchup between those two would be terrific. so we look at some of the uh, the the three the three team uh, permanents that you came up with for Oklahoma. You went with Texas, LSU, and Mississippi State. Uh, did you have trouble coming up with those three? Well, I had trouble with a couple. So you know, compare that with the athletic. They had the same ones, but they had Florida and Oklahoma. So what I think they will do is, on one hand, yeah, that's a loaded schedule. On the other, it's a really tough schedule. So I think that that at most, when you kind of look at it, Oklahoma was one that was tough to kind of put together with the third opponent. I mean, Mississippi State, Oklahoma, that's not exactly a huge rivalry, but there's some sacrifices that are going to have to be made. The other hardest one to do was Auburn because mm-hmm. it would make sense to Alabama, Georgia, Florida. But on one hand, if you're Auburn, you're like, ah, that's cool. On the other, you're like, uh, we automatically have the toughest schedule in the SEC right out of the go before no matter who else we're playing. Right. And the Florida Auburn rivalry kind of died with divisions. That was one of the, um, one of the sacrifices they had to make when they went with divisions. It was a good rivalry a long time ago. They have not played much since there probably would be interest, but I don't know if Auburn would be interested, like you said, especially if they have, obviously Alabama is going to be on there and that Georgia one is important to them too. I mean, I think in uh, your matchups, I don't think anybody has Alabama and Georgia as permanents except for Auburn. And so you got to try and make that third opponent reasonable. And uh, the Gators, you know, they struggled this year, but they're not going to be down for long. Yeah. And the other kind of hypothetical I posed, and again, I don't rule anything out, is will Texas kind of throw their beauty pageant weight around because they are – you know, with that, they, will they say we're playing Alabama every year? And could they point to, hey, that was the most watched non-conference game this year. It would be a huge rivalry every year. It would be, I think that game would be, if both programs were right, watched as much as any game in the country, which it was. Now, would they try to do that? Because if you look at their pairings, Texas gets Oklahoma, who they already play, Texas A&M, who we mentioned they hate, and Arkansas, which is, are you coming to the SEC to play one of your old Southwest Conference rivals? Not necessarily. I mean, those make sense from a regional standpoint, but I've always never rule out Texas for for pulling one of those moves, right? Maybe it's Texas, Florida every year, something like that. I mean, they've been beaten down a little bit so much. I don't know that they're going to be clamoring to play Alabama with Oklahoma already on there, and AM's going to be an emotional battle. And I don't know that they would – complain that much about Arkansas in terms of interest 
in terms of, I mean, I think the Arkansas fans are more interested in that game than the Texas fans. Uh, but they've had a little back and forth over the years, way, dating way back, and then it was reignited recently. They had a couple of big games, Arkansas with the big win over Texas. That was huge for that program. Um, I like that little – that's kind of a mini rivalry. It's a reasonable third game, I think, for Texas. If you've – you know, uh, to me, A&M and Oklahoma are non-negotiable. So I would, I would be fine with Texas uh, playing Arkansas – and then you get the Alabama-Texas game two every right. four years. I mean, that's the thing we can't forget that it's not that far off to you know even if it's not a permanent opponent. Well, you, so if you're Tennessee, that's the other one that was tough. You get Alabama every year, you get Vanderbilt every year, and then you get Kentucky. So you lose. They're another loser in this situation in terms of what they care about. I mean, they care about the Florida game, they care about the Georgia game. Those have been measuring sticks games for that program, but. I don't see Tennessee giving up the Alabama game and exhibit a BC was all that cigar smoke still coming off of Nayland stadium right now because they finally <laughs> won that game. So that's the one that they, they always will take the most serious and it's, it's a prime matchup. So, you know, that there will be losers in this and it happens in every conference where you're going to lose a couple rivalries, but I thought the ones I'm not patting myself on the back or anything, but, the kind of the three that I posed for each team, I, I think I'm at least in the ballpark. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I think Florida's going to have a hard time holding on to Tennessee for the reasons you mentioned. Um, I think they like, I think they would like to uh, reintroduce that rivalry with Auburn. And we talked about that. Um, you know, they'll hold on to Georgia for sure. Uh, Florida, Missouri is like, you know, Missouri is an awkward fit. I think with a lot of people, um, that was kind of squeezed in, I'm guessing as like, you need a third, uh, South Florida, South Carolina. Again, that's, you know, I think Florida likes to play Tennessee. I think the Florida LSU rivalry heated up, uh, in division play that would be gone too, as well, uh, in terms of, you know, in every year, but again, I've said it a million times. You still get them two out of four years. So that's really not that bad of a thing. And then you got to protect some of those. I think Florida, like Florida fan might look at that and be like, what, what's that? And then you're like, Oh, by the way, you play Florida state, Kentucky. uh, You're I'm almost protecting Florida. You're protecting Kentucky a little bit. They, they avoid Georgia and Florida, but they still play their Louisville game. And, And that's one thing. The nine-game conference schedule, you can still protect those crossover ACC, SEC rivalries, all of them. A lot of those are on rivalry weekend. And then you play two other games against whoever you want. And it's a pretty good It's a pretty good 12-game schedule. I think the strength of schedule coinciding with the playoff, being in 24, as I posed in the column, it says, I think in the first year of the playoff, you can expect at least four to five SEC teams in the playoff, and they will fall back on – Look at the conference. Look at the strength of schedule. Look at Texas and Oklahoma in the conference. And that's the big win-win of them getting to launch that in 2024. And I loved your speculation on the SEC's first exclusive broadcast on ESPN in the September, Labor Day weekend maybe, of, of, of 2024. Tell the people what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, I think the first game that they'll do – I go back to the when the ACC opened – 
with Florida State and Miami. They put them right out there, right? But there's going to be a little twist on this one. I think if Arch Manning's at Texas when this happens, and all indications are he will be, and he's the starter, they 100% are going to play Tennessee or Ole Miss in the opener, and all the Mannings are going to be out there. They may Manning cast the game. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would put like – you know, like a little fan, like as I talked to Sporting News' fantasy slash gambling expert, Matt Latosky, I was like, what are the odds of that? I guess he said minus 250. So <laughs> we like, I I think it'll be Tennessee and Texas in Austin, a lot of orange. That'll be the first game the Longhorns play in the SEC. That would be fun because you know you want to reignite the A&M-Texas rivalry, uh, but they will probably push that towards the end of the year. I like how you're thinking I'm already looking forward to Labor Day weekend 2024 for that one. Um, so where do you think this leaves the Big 12 before we get out of here? I mean, uh, uh, Brett Yormack, uh, Yormark, is, um, he's doing a fantastic job right now. He you know, renegotiated their TV contract in October, got them more money than the last contract that included Texas and Oklahoma. Um, Jump the line a little bit because their TV deal was not up until after the Pac-12s. The pac 12 started negotiating in October. They still haven't even finalized a the deal. They're looking at streaming, which I don't think is a very good option because it's difficult to channel surf. It's difficult to find these, you know, go back and forth, which is what a lot of, that's how you expand your brand. You know, people are just clicking around on a Saturday, find a good game. It's tougher to do if a game is streaming. Um, and so they, they negotiated this hundred million dollar early exit, which was good for everybody. I mean, when Texas and Oklahoma are playing with the SEC on the horizon, a Texas game or an Oklahoma game is a, is an advertisement for the SEC. Big 12 doesn't want that. So that's over. Uh, after one more season of that, that's over. And I don't think he's done. I think he's looking to see, if the Pac-12 continues to uh, struggle a little bit in terms of finalizing their new TV contract, figuring out what they want to do expansion-wise, they were pretty uh, public in their uh, visit to SMU last week uh, for a basketball game that, you know, it just made it, it was awkward to see uh, somebody do that publicly. Uh, and it, 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 I thought it put them in a, in a weaker position perception-wise. Um, I don't know. It just feels like the that that corner four uh, with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah could be vulnerable. Yeah, and I think the Big Twelve is in a unique position because they many people, and I may have speculated this. I, I'm gonna have to go back and look. But did I say this is death to the Big Twelve? It hasn't been because they've no. been. You know, that's the the surprise here is they're in a unique position where I think if we did a Who's the top? Obviously, SEC and Big Ten are the top two conferences. Then it's who's number three. And, you know, you could make the argument that it's the ACC because there's some steadiness there and Notre Dame's still part of it. Or you could say, hey, the Big 12 added some new brands. There's some opportunity, more opportunity for expansion. They just put a team in the national championship game, which nobody expected. So, and it wasn't Oklahoma or Texas. So I think there are some good opportunities for him there. I've kind of always thought that if you did, We'll see how the 16-teamer works for the SEC and the Big Ten. If it does, it always made sense to me that the ACC would be the third and either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or both or neither, you know, like a combo conference 
of 16. Then you have four 16-team conferences. But in this 12-team setup with six automatic qualifiers, all you have to do is survive, right? And then you get an Oklahoma State or a TCU in the playoff every year. You may get you may get drilled by all those SEC teams, but I would argue that you're in a uniquely good position. So it'll be interesting to see where the Big 12 goes from here. And I don't yeah. know where, where, where do you think, like, what do you think SMU, San Diego State, and are those Power 5 programs? You tell me. I think SMU should be. Mm-hmm. And San Diego State, if they have Southern California kind of to themselves a little bit in terms of the Pac-12, that's a good spot for them. They have a new stadium. They have decent support fan-wise. But, you know, I just <laughs> remember when Yormark came into the Big 12 and he said, the Big 12 is open for business. And, <laughs> he did, right out the go. He was certainly right, right? They are right. They're doing business. And ironically, it's the Pac-12 where on the field, we talked about it all season. They have fun games and fun quarterbacks and fun, uh, you know, USC's back on top. And Colorado's got Deion Sanders and, uh, you know, Michael Penix and Bo Nix are great quarterbacks. Arizona's got a great quarterback. Washington State has a fun quarterback. Uh, oh, by the way, Utah's won two championships right. in the last two years. The, the on-the-field product's great, uh, but it seems like off the field and perception-wise, the Big 12 is kind of kind of – tipping the balance right now and, and is uh, moving into that spot ahead of the Pac-12. Yep, and it is. And, and that's where you got to survive because there's no – I wouldn't make any illusions that either one of those, the ACC or the Big 12, is anywhere near the Big 10 or SEC in football. But, you know, as somebody that's kind of shifted the gears to basketball, I mean, the ACC is always going to be a very visible college basketball conference. The Big 12 basketball, arguably the best in the country right now. So you got to think from those two sports to me. And, and I think they've got a decent chance of survival. And I don't, obviously you never want to see your two biggest brands go, but I think there's probably some people in Stillwater and Fort Worth and Lawrence that maybe aren't so sad to see those two, two, two schools go. And then they'll probably be even, you'll, those will be the people on Twitter that are, rooting against Oklahoma and Texas and and saying, see what you got yourself into when they go to the SEC, because it will be very challenging for those two schools. And speaking of basketball, Yomak is knocking on Gonzaga's door too a little bit to see if they will become a basketball only member of the big 12. So he's, he's not done. He's, he's, he's a busy man. No question about it. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to the bonus pod here on the CFB nation, all America podcast. Join us next week. Bill and I will be back to discuss uh, the latest happenings and see what's going on around the country. Uh, But for now, we will uh, tell everybody, enjoy the weekend. We appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate everybody subscribing. We're on the YouTube channel for CFB Nation now. And then, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other places where you can listen to our podcasts. Our our numbers are growing. We appreciate it. We enjoy it. And... uh, We will see you next week on the CFB Nation All-America Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.